Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. What if we fed our hair with the same nourishing ingredients that we feed our bodies? Whatever hair texture or hair type you have, your hungry dew will feel well-fed from the superfood ingredients packed into every bottle of hair food. Every hair food product is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oils because your hair does not want to be eating that. So if you're looking to really nourish your hair, it's got to be hair food. Look for it at Amazon, Walmart, and Target. Hey, mamacita. Welcome to the Mamas con Ganas podcast. That's mamas as in, hey, mama. Y te traemos episodios para que tengas las ganas de motivarte, surgir, y triunfar. Don't be a mama con drama. Let's be mamas con ganas. I'm your host, Valentina Izara. On today's podcast episode, I'm here with Alexandra Valentin, financial advisor, whose mission it is to empower women with money. And we're going to talk about your money story, our money story, and how that affects how we deal with money in the present. Super powerful episode. So stay tuned. Alexandra, Welcome to our podcast once again. Thank you, Valentina. Thank you for having me. Um, I love talking about the subject, so I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you. Yes, Alexandra has been with us a couple times, but in Spanish. So this is the first episode that we're doing together in English, but it's a topic that I'm going to be bringing on over and over, the topic of money and our relationship with money and how we as women relate to it because the way that we relate to money is basically how money shows up in our life. Isn't that right? Correct. Totally. Um, it's about the mentality we have towards money and whether it's negative or a positive one. And, and it's extremely important. So what is the money story when we're thinking about our personal money story. And as a listener, I hope that you're going to be thinking about your personal money story. What does that mean? What does it mean? Like having a money story? So uh, a little bit of background on myself. I've been in finance for 18 years. Um, I've been a financial advisor for the past 15 years, more or less. And um, it came a point in, in my life a few years ago that I thought like, I lost the passion for what I did. I didn't really see, you know, it, it was like a midlife career crisis in that I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm frustrated. I don't think this is for me. And I remember at that point, um, I had to sit down with my husband and I said, I don't know, like I have an MBA. I can do other things. I can bake cookies and sell them. And he was like, what are you talking about? You're not going to go bake cookies and sell them. Like use what you have and try to put like a different spin on it. And at that point, I had a really powerful conversation with, with one of my very best friends that we've been friends since high school. So 25 years. And she had moved down to Miami 
And, and I had asked her, um, she was in New York for many years and had come down to Miami. And I had asked her like, what are you doing in terms of your retirement and your savings and all these series of financial questions. And she looked at me and was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, and again, and this is a part, she knows I always, I don't say name, but she knows I always talk about her. Extremely intelligent woman, lawyer, you know, Ivy League, um, like one of these people that you're like, oh my God. And she had no idea about anything in terms of her finances and her wealth and her, let's call it financial planning. And at that moment, I remember I had, I put two and two together. So I'm going to talk about my money story, but I essentially, I put my money story with her story together. And I said, that's it. You know, that's my mission in life. I have all of these years of experience um, dealing with people and finances and planning. And now I'm talking to one of my best friends who is a woman who in my mind is here in terms of career, in terms of salary and projection, and still it doesn't show in her wealth because it's not there because it's, it's, she, she just didn't think about it. So at that point, I put the two and two together and my mission in life kind of came about. And, and this is what I've been doing ever since. I, I kind of realigned my career and, and I really feel very passionate about women and money and education and empowerment through this. And, and I said, I took that experience and I tied it to my money story because I thought it is so powerful and we don't think about the money story enough. And to be honest, I really didn't put a context around my money story until that moment. Like I always knew it was there, but at that moment I kind of packaged it. And I said, oh, this is why I do what I do in, in terms of my life. And this is why I act the way I act. It's because of my money story. So I wrote it down and, and that kind of became bigger. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's interesting because a lot of people don't really see money as like a, like a subject of spirituality, but the more that I mature and I grow older, the more I realize like our relationship with money shapes every single relationship in our life. It shapes the way even our outlook for it. And when we're not careful with our money and we don't, we're not looking at it and we're not taking care of it, as you say, we are actually doing ourselves a disservice. And it has nothing in reality, anything to do, has nothing to do with how much money we make. Because we can be making a lot of money, but not really taking care of that money, saving it or investing it, and then not doing anything for our future. I actually read this morning that 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And I would... I would argue to say that during this pandemic, time of pandemic, it's probably even more so that more people are living paycheck to paycheck and they don't really look about their future. And a lot of times it has, it's linked, like we're talking today, to our old paradigm uh, and the, what we were taught of having a relationship with money. So tell us a little bit about your past with money 
and what you had to, the hurdles that you had to overcome in order to become the woman that you are today. Okay. So like I said, I, I knew that everything I had done in my life was because of how I was raised and the experiences, but I never put it into a context. So my personal context, and and I think it's very relatable because a lot of people go through this. I, I come from a family from parents that divorced um, when I was in my mid-teens, and my mom and my dad worked together, which is very common, especially in Latin cultures, um, where you have you know, small businesses and, and both parents work in, in the family business, let's call it. So both my parents worked together and money was always like a bad thing, but not in the sense of, oh, money is bad. It was always in the sense of, we don't have any, like there's never enough money. And I remember growing up, um, and I was, so in, I'm from Puerto Rico and at school, I don't know why I can't remember why you would have to do give like monthly quotas, um, to the room, to the classroom. And I remember my name was always in the chalkboard. Like I hadn't paid that month. And I remember being so ashamed growing up because, because I was like, you know, and I think it was like $10 a month or something. And my dad always chose to give it to me the very last day of the month to give it to the classroom. And I was always so ashamed because I was like, my God, there's no money. There's no money. Um, which I don't think was the case. It was just how I was always taught like, oh, there's no money in this house. Like there's nothing. And then my parents divorced. And that's when things really got worse because, you know, my mom, when I was 15, had to go out and start looking for a new career. And after working with my dad for 20 years, she was in her mid forties, had to start, you know, literally started from zero. And my dad just kind of went off and did his thing and had a great life and, and nothing against my dad, but it's, it's the reality of a lot of people. A lot of people go through divorced parents and one parent chooses one lifestyle and the other parent chooses the other one. But I remember seeing my mom suffer so much because she had to start over at 43 and we were three children. Um, we were kind of mid teens at that point. So I remember always thinking, how do I help? Like, what do I need to do? to help my mom, number one. So I started working really young. And number two, how do I make it so I never have to go through this ever in my life? That's As really, wow, that's really interesting. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of the Tony Robbins um, workshops and stuff. And what you're reminding me of right now is what he talks as like your primary question. There's a question that usually we ask ourselves over and over and over and it drives our life. So it seems like a question that you were constantly asking yourself is, what can I do so that I never end up in this situation? Which in your case, I can imagine it, it actually empowered you because you would end up coming up always up with creative ways as to how you could make more money. Completely. And, and whatever you focus on expands, whatever you're constantly asking yourself and those, whatever you're searching is what you end up finding in life. Completely. And to be honest, I never 
it drove me, but I never, it wasn't like Tony Robbins, like an identifier, like what I call my money story. I didn't identify it until a few years ago, but it somehow always drove me because that was my experience. And, and some people choose to react to that experience completely different in a way of maybe saying, I don't know, I took it like I'm the most independent woman on the planet, but maybe another person going through this similar situation says, oh my God, I need to hang on to some sort of male financial support because of what this happened to me. Yes. So, so each person might have maybe a similar money story or, or what Tony Robbins says about that pivotal question, but how you react to it is very, very different. And it's very individual for each person. So when I finally identified, this is my money story, then everything else kind of fell into place because I said like, oh, that's why I did what I did 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But you know what I mean? And, And at that point, when I identified it, I said, oh, now that I know what it is, now that I know why I act, the way I act, then I can put it in high gear because I can see it more clearly. I don't know if that makes sense. So, so a few years ago, um, also I decided, okay, I understand my money story and I understand I've been very successful up until now, but how can I make that even better? And that's what I've been doing ever since I identified it. And that's why I think it's so powerful for people to ident- to really sit down, think about it and identify what your money story is because mine is common, but like I said, my reaction is individual. That's very um, true. That's very true. And, and, and I think that there's, sometimes we have both empowering and disempowering beliefs with regards to money. And interestingly enough, sometimes those different belief systems about the same thing can be contradicting and can keep us stuck in a place where it doesn't serve us financially. Mm-hmm. Like, do mm-hmm. you think you had, um, tell us about your positive, your positive relation, like your positive relationship with money when you were growing up, was there something positive about it? And then tell us the, the, the negative aspect of it in terms of were there specific beliefs about, about, um, about what you believed around money? Um, I would say that it was always an, there was always a negative connotation to money in my household. And I think that's very common. That's very common. And that's something that, again, it's part of my money story. So I've been able to identify it. So I know I don't make that same mistake with my children. So you Um, tied it to shame. You said you tied it to shame. That was part of the money story. That money, that lack of money equals shame. That's what I, what I heard. And then the other thing was there's a little bit of, it seems like there was a little bit of that fear factor underlying it, right? That like lack of money meant being vulnerable and having sort of being taken over by fear. Yeah. And, and there was, so I'm from Puerto Rico, like I said, um, and we, we say pela, estamos pelao. It was always like. In Venezuela we say, ese tipo está pelando, estamos pelando. That's so funny. Yeah. In, in my house, it was like, estamos pelado, like pelado, like bald, like there's nothing there. Um, and I just remember that, like, 
estamos pelados, estamos pelados all the time. And, and again, that is that self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, yes. Is that affirmation? Of- Those are affirmations. Right. And affirmations are so powerful, whether they're positive or negative. Like you said, it can be a downward spiral. If you're constantly saying that to yourself, uh, that's who you end up be- becoming. <laughs> Completely. And, and I see it. And it's like, yeah, like the secret. So if you positive affirmations, how, how do I think about money differently and in a positive light? Of course, if, if you're always thinking there's not enough, there's not enough, there's not enough, estamos pelado, 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 then, then that kind of sort of becomes your life. And unfortunately, I see it today very vividly with both my parents. Both my parents worked their butts off all their lives. They're still working. They're still working. And there's late 60s, 70 years old, because that was always the mentality. And that was always the the self-fulfilling prophecy that they put in their heads. And, and I see it today. Now, with regards to yourself, because I know we've spoken about this before in terms of like what your goals are. Tell us like the difference that you made, that shift that you made in your, in your life and your goals and what you've made it like where you are at in your life in terms of retirement and what it is it that you're doing in order to make it a complete, to basically break that cycle of I'm going to work to the bone until I die. So, um, so number one, um, I met my husband and that was very, that was a very pivotal point in my life. Um, and that is another I think we can talk about this in another episode of, of, of how open you are with your partner. It doesn't have to be a husband, whatever you're with your partner, with your significant other, how open you are with them about these beliefs, about money, about what you want in the future. And I think in our society, people don't talk about this enough. And sometimes you end up in partnerships or situations or marriages without having these conversations beforehand. And those problems start creeping up later on in life when things get a little bit more complicated because you have mortgages, you have car payments, you have children. And those topics never came up pre. So, and and I say it was pivotal that I met him because when we got together, very early on in our relationship, money and our, I guess, vision of the future was very present. And it was a topic that we discussed at length. And it took us many years to have children and to, because (laughs) we kind of had this really great same type of mentality towards our future he has a very different money story than I do but but they kind of mesh together very well from two very different perspectives so his is because he's Venezuelan and and because of the the government turmoil that happened his family lost basically everything um a little older than mine did, but, but in two very different situations. But at the end, we both came to the same realization of him and his way of 
how do I prevent what happened to my father and my family for me in the future? Mine the same, but through a divorce. So, so it was really interesting because when we came together, it was kind of the same life objective, just coming from two different, I guess, perspectives, if you want to call That's it. That's so that. interesting. Okay, mamacita, hold that thought. Now, a word from our sponsor. Here's an inspired idea. What if we fed our hair with the same nourishing ingredients that we feed our bodies? I've been using clean, simple, kitchen-crafted recipes from hair food and have seen amazing results. Whatever hair texture or hair type you have, your hungry do will feel well-fed from the superfood ingredients packed into every bottle of hair food. Oh, and did I mention the scents? Everything from coconut milk and chai spice to refreshing tea tree and lavender water. They're all so different and they all smell so good. Every hair food product is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oils because your hair does not want to be eating that. So if you're looking to nourish your hair, really nourish it, it's got to be hair food. Look for it at Amazon, Walmart, and Target. Like my husband and I have completely different stories and our relationship with money it's, I think we, we were put together to complement one another because he's taught me a lot and I've taught him a lot as well. It's like that where in the area that he lacks, I'm there and the area that I lack in terms of positive money affirmations, we sort of have come, we've sort of balanced each other out. I would feel, I feel like we're, we're very different. And then having those two mentalities, like I know that I've had a positive impact on how he sees money and he's done the same thing to me, but it has not come easy, I will say. I feel like I completely agree with what you say. I feel like money is something that needs to be discussed at length with your partner, with the person that you decide to be with, the person that you're sharing, that you're spending money with. And if that subject is not discussed, I mean, you know, most people know it. It is the number one reason for divorce and for separation amongst couples, because it can be a very sour spot. And interestingly enough, I know I've told you before in the past, but like, you know, money has never really been an issue in terms of needing it or like for things that are like necessary in our, in our life. But it's always been that it had in the past been like that sour spot in our relationship. And it's something that we've had to work through. And I would also uh, dare to say that it's the place where I'm the proudest in my marriage because of the fact that we've been courageous enough to step up and have those really difficult conversations where we both have ended up learn like we learned from one another because our money stories were very different. Like in, um, in my situation, I'm gonna talk a little bit about mine so that people can really start thinking about what is their money story, the people who are listening to us. Um, so I come from very humble backgrounds on both sides of my family, both sets of grandparents in Venezuela. Uh, my, my one grandmother was basically a single mother of raised two daughters by herself. Uh, she was a nurse. And, but, you know, money was always hard to come by for her. You know, women definitely did not make, nurses didn't make good money back then. It was, they had a, they had a tough uh, financial situation growing up, both my aunt and my mother with their mother. And then on the other side, I had, I have my parent, my dad's parents who also come from like very hard times. They were both, they, they were put in situations. My, my grandmother even tells me that at some point she went, she would go to bed without you know, without eating and feeling hungry. So 
what happens is they have the two children that end up becoming my parents were both people that saw themselves. Okay. This is not going to happen to us. I'm going to have ambition. I'm going to get, uh, uh, I'm going to graduate from a career that's going to give me, my parents are both engineers and growing up, uh, my parents, there was never a lack of money. I saw money as a way to be able to provide for those that didn't have any, because I always saw my parents contributing to their parents. Because since my my grandparents were always dependent on my parents, I saw my, my parents as a source of inspiration. Now, not to say that my parents' relationship with money is perfect, because I think we could all, you know, I've learned some things from them, from mistakes that they made in the past that I'm taking it forward. And they've also learned things about, you know, their whole situation and their relationship with money. But I always saw money as something like, great, you do it, you make it, and then you contribute it. And at the same time, though, when I decided I wanted to become an artist, my I sort of had seed plant seeds planted uh, by my parents that if I was going to be an artist, I was going to be a starving artist. So it, it was kind of like it's funny because I always thought to my I always had this belief inside me. I don't know where it comes from that I was never gonna be without money. I I always just felt like money's always going to be there. At the same time, it was that fear that if I went ahead and did what I actually love to do, which is performing, which is, you know, um, which is being an actress, which is creating content, that I would be like a starving artist. So I had to do a lot of work around that aspect. And then the more I started to search, which basically got me on a quest to find artists that weren't starving. And people who were artists, but were entrepreneurs and making money and saving money and investing their money. And so those people have sort of become my, my, my idols, you know, the people that do what I do, but make money and also do smart things with their money. And at the same time, give back, you know, with what they have. Um, and then my husband comes from, but my parents were spenders. I have to say this. My parents taught me the good part about money, like having nice things. You spend it when you like it. Like that's, a, I think that's a very sort of Latin American thing as well. And Venezuelan in particular, we love to dress nice. We like to have brand clothing. It can be a good and a bad because we enjoy what money has is there to offer. But at the same time, that also prevents us sometimes from saving. My husband comes from a family. Of, what happened? For valuing money. Yes. What, what is the, the intrinsic value of that money of that? Exactly. Wealth? Um, and then my husband comes from an Italian background, you know, comes from World War Two, they moved to Canada. And their mentality was safe, save, 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 don't ever spend it on anything, because you could end up with nothing. So imagine those two contradicting opposing views, there's, you know, Valentino, the one that loves money to spend and to give and to contribute. And then the other opposing view of we got to save, 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 save. So somewhere along the line, we've sort of had to balance each other, which I find a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, and in thinking about your money story, I feel like this is something that for me has progressed and it continues to progress as I form a better relationship with money. I don't, is it for you the same thing? Is it something that's always evolving, always continuing? Oh, completely. I, I think the money story is, is the base. But then your money story doesn't define your life. That money story evolves with you as time goes forward. I always say like identify, I guess, what the first part of that money story is, but then change it or evolve it in a way that fits your current lifestyle. So that money story evolves 
completely evolves over time. And then it's up to your choosing how you want to present, if you have children, how you want to present that money story to them um, in a way that is different. What you said, you know, you, your parents grew up with a money story. You grew up with a different money story. And now your children are going up with a different one as well. So it's not like it's a static thing at all. It's it's about identifying it and saying, how do I want to change it? And oh, nice. hopefully, how do you want to change it for the better? So in my case, when I was able to identify it, I met my husband and, and we together decided, okay, um, he has kind of your... <laughs> Your husband's mentality of, of save, 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 save. Like I make all this money, but I, I only like spend this much. And me having been when I met him for over a decade in finance, I'm thinking like, you can't just save, you have to invest that money. So that money needs to work for you. So in our case, it's a bit different because I come from the mentality of, I need to be independent and, and that, but then from a career standpoint, I'm like, money is not static. Money needs to evolve. Money needs to grow. So I'm coming from, okay, we have this money, but we need to invest it. And he's coming from, I worked so hard for this money. I'm not going to touch it because <laughs> nobody's going to touch it. And, you know, there's so much volatility out there, like that very, Latin mentality of stashing it under the mattress. <laughs> That's a Which very war, World War II mentality. A lot of our grandparents, you know, and if they were, or anybody from Europe is definitely, like, for example, the German mentality with money. I have a German friend. She's hilarious. Her and I couldn't be more different in terms of our relationships with money, but I've learned so much from her. And I think she also learns a lot from me because when you only get together with people who have your same money mentality, it, it keeps you, it's like being trapped in only one way of thinking. But when you realize that they're like, when I hang around people who discuss money more, who talk about money more, and I'm surrounded by successful people, I always try to think, hmm, like, how do they, how do they see money? What's their relationship with money? Which by the way, mamacitas, this is all about the money story because we want you to first identify what, how is it? that you came to have all your beliefs, good or bad, with money. And we're gonna be going and putting an exercise online. Go to the website, mamasconganas.com forward slash 76. Alexandra and I have listed questions for you to answer so that you can identify your money story. And then the next time I bring Alexandra on the episode, we're gonna talk about how to create a more healthy relationship with money because the conversation definitely doesn't stop here. First, we have to identify how is it that we see money to begin with? You know, is it to keep, 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 or just spend, 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 or is it something that's negative because you relate it to power or shame? Um, a lot of people see money as something negative, right? They see it like there's a, and particularly sometimes in Latin America, why? Because we have so many corrupt examples of politicians who rob money from the countries. And then we see that, oh, they have money. So they, you know, these politicians have money, so they must be robbing it. And we have this, this uh, distorted view of what money can do because money is not negative or positive. It's just, it depends on whose hands it is in. Yeah, and especially, um, I, I guess now with women, 
being out more in the workforce and 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 having careers it's it's starting to shift but also you talk about it in a in a more macro context of of politicians and stuff like that but if you take it into the micro component of that into your internal family still in Latin America and really everywhere else in the world there's a big connotation of money and control yes. towards women because and and I again I'm very Latin I'm from Puerto Rico so so it was it 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 happens and you see it in I don't know in Argentina for example there's a big crisis of of men unfortunately abusing and killing their spouses the same in Puerto Rico right now they just called an emergency um because there's been so many attacks against women and and I firmly believe that a lot of it stems from the women's lack of financial empowerment absolutely a lot of them not all of them there's there's a big component of of psychological and, and other aspects but i i firmly believe that is a, if a woman feels financially secure financially empowered then she doesn't have to put up with certain things and can maybe more easily avoid those situations or get out of those situations yes. and and it's all tied to money and money then tied to control and then tied to abuse sometimes which which again, all of those things are very negative, but they're very prevalent in our society. Oh, absolutely. And even money tied, tied towards like sexuality or like, you know, I mean, let's get, let's get it straight. And this is like, I'm going to be like in Latin America, you see more young women with really a lot older men. That's the reality of it. And why is that? It's because those young women are not financially empowered because the minute you become financially empowered as a woman and you're 22 years old, you're going to be hanging around a 24-year-old or a 22-year-old or even someone younger than you, but you're not going to be hanging around a 50-year-old man as a 22-year-old woman if you have money for the most part. And if you see that as, yeah, it's true. It's, it is tied to control. And maybe that's why you said, you know, people see it as something negative because they say, okay, I've been controlled as a woman by men because of money, because of my lack thereof. And therefore money is bad. It's sort of like, it doesn't make it, it's, it's, it's not like too, uh, it's, how do I say? It doesn't equate to that. Just because mm -hmm. you've been controlled by that doesn't mean money equates to something bad, but a lot of people do make that um, relationship or that, mm -hmm. that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, I think the mind is very powerful. So, so that needs to start shifting, but it needs to start shifting by understanding where those preconceived notions come from. So again, a lot of people, and I see it growing up in, in the society I grew up in of, of friends of mine that their mothers, for example, put up with a lot of things, maybe not physical abuse or anything like that, but maybe they stayed in relationships that were not healthy because of money, because they didn't think there was another way to have a good 
lifestyle. So sometimes, unfortunately, <laughs> and many times, I would say like 99% of the time it's women choose to be unhappy, but financially comfortable. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Or, or, and I feel that that is so sad, so sad because then what is the point in life? Even if you have money, you can't even enjoy it because you're so miserable. Yeah. So, so, and, and I see it in a lot of friends of mine because that's what they saw growing up and nobody told them otherwise. And then I see it as a new or, and I see it as, as they're repeating that pattern, yeah. for example. So they're in a situation very similar to their mothers in which they married a, a quote unquote, um, like a good catch because that person is financially comfortable. But then I see her and she's miserable. But, but for them, that's what they saw. And, and, and that's how they were kind of taught. So marry well, and it doesn't matter if you're happy or not. Yeah, it's very sad. It's very sad because there's so much more to life. I think we're here to experience like fulfillment and not, and not just fulfillment in, in that financial aspect of just being secure, but there's so much more to life. And that's why it's crazy. This, this subject of money is intrinsically laced to everything else in our lives. And that's why it's so important, Mamacita, that number one, you try to really understand what it is that your money story comes from, those positive or, and negative aspects of it. And I guarantee you, if you look at that and, there, and, there's, and you're going through financial issues, it's most likely first tied to your money story and with your relationship to money. And there is a way. The good news is, I think that there is a way to develop a different relationship with money and to also make shifts in your money story, because you could have been one way, you could have been taught one thing, could have been taught a certain pattern, but that doesn't mean you have to necessarily repeat the cycle with your children. It's just like the cycle of abuse. Sometimes we need to cut those things generationally for our future families and pass it on, like the good stuff, learn and then pass it on. Completely agree. Thank you, Alexandra. This story, you know, this this topic is something we're going to be bringing on over and over. Um, like I said, mamacita, go to mamasconganas.com forward slash 76. You can do the exercise on your money story there. Print it out. Do it. I encourage you to do that. And then the next time around, we'll be bringing Alexandra in for how to create, start creating a better relationship with money. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. It's Valentina. Espero te gustó este episodio de nuestro podcast. If you liked it or if any of our content has inspired you in any way, I'd be ever so grateful if you showed some amorcito by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Every single review will help us reach more mamacitas so they can live their life con muchas ganas. It's because of you, our listeners, that we're able to create contenido para otras Latinas. Un millón de gracias por suscribirte, escuchar y compartir nuestro podcast. Si tienen preguntas, comentarios y más, pueden visitar nuestra página web mamasconganas.com or follow us on social media at mamasconganas. You can also write me directly at info at mamasconganas.com. Hasta la próxima. Es Valentina recordándote, don't be a mama con drama. Mm -mm. 
Let's be mamas con ganas. Besitos. What if we fed our hair with the same nourishing ingredients that we feed our bodies? Whatever hair texture or hair type you have, your hungry dew will feel well fed from the superfood ingredients packed into every bottle of hair food. Every hair food product is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oils because your hair does not want to be eating that. So if you're looking to really nourish your hair, it's got to be hair food. Look for it at Amazon, Walmart, and Target.